Well, good morning, everybody, and happy Mother's Day. It's an unusual experience for me. Today, I'm feeling better dressed than I have been in weeks. I'm out of my tracky dacks, I'm out of my slippers, and here we are on Mother's Day. I have to have to tell you the truth and let you in on a secret. Even though you're watching this on Mother's Day, it's actually Thursday morning. We're doing a pre-recording. And I'm actually really excited about this because this Mother's Day will be the very first Mother's Day in 22 years that I haven't had to get out of bed and get to church. So while you're watching this, I hope I'm sitting up in bed with a beautiful home-cooked breakfast and a lovely cup of tea, hint, hint, and I don't think I want to come back and watch myself, but I hope you mothers too. Some of you might be sitting up in bed watching this. Uh, maybe you're sitting with your family, but we want to uh, wish you a really happy Mother's Day. Now, I know for some of you in this all cooped up space, Mother's Day might be very different. Maybe you're feeling you've had more than enough of your mother because you've been crammed in together in the same place. But I also know there's a whole lot of mothers out there whose kids are perhaps a little bit older, grown up, and they're not allowed to visit. So you won't be seeing your loved ones this Mother's Day, so it's quite different. And then comes the whole um, idea of Mother's Day that sometimes it's a day of great loss and grieving. Perhaps some of your dreams haven't been fulfilled. Perhaps it's the first Mother's Day that you're actually living without your mother. So it can come with a whole mix of emotions. And even if you're not a mother, maybe you're a parent, maybe you're the favorite auntie, the favorite uncle, because we all need special people in our lives, significant other adults. I hope that there'll be something for you in this message this morning. I'd like to read to you a, a writing from an author by the name of Anne Voskamp and here's a few things that she writes about being a mother. If you were to be really honest as a mother, you don't really want the cards or the flowers or the things that get wrapped up in shiny paper or stuffed in a bag with wrinkled tissue or anything get, that gets tied up and presented with these dangling tendrils of curling ribbon. What you really wanted is to be extraordinarily, obviously good at this, at this mothering thing. You wanted to be the best at this. You wanted to take the podium, the gold medal in mothering. Not take a million timeouts behind some locked bathroom door. Turn on the water so no one hears your sobbing. At what a mess this whole shebang is and how you'd like to run away. You wanted to be more. You wanted to be more patient. You wanted to never lose it, to always have it together, to keep calm, that's all. To take their tantrums with a grain of salt instead of throwing one of yours that turned out to be a first-class tsunami and a tad bit more dramatic than theirs. You wanted more flashes of wisdom in the heat of the moment when you had no idea what the best thing to do was. When you flung up an SOS prayer, you made the call on the deal that was facing your kid and you. And then the kid hated you for it. You crawled into bed feeling like a heel who always got it wrong. You wanted more time to not hurry them, not badger them, not nag them or manage them like some to-do list that needs to get stroked off and done, tossed before tomorrow starts again. 
but just more time to slow down, to smile into them and simply enjoy being together. What you really wanted, desperately, wildly, in spite of everything, is for them to remember the good, to remember enough of the times that you whispered, I love you. To know how many times your heart broke and how hard you really tried. What every mother wants, her most unspoken need, is a truckload of grace. Let's pray. Dear God, as we come together this Mother's Day and there's a whole mixture of emotions, God, I pray that you would gently walk beside us, that you would speak to us, that you would challenge us and that you would encourage us in whatever role we hold, whatever part we play. In Jesus' name, amen. When I think about mothering, I think it's a little bit like a jigsaw puzzle. But a jigsaw puzzle that doesn't have a picture or a jigsaw puzzle that you've actually lost the box with the picture on it and you've only got a faint memory of what you thought the picture was. Parenting is a little bit like a jigsaw puzzle. You see, when I do a jigsaw puzzle, I always get all the edges out, the corners out and the straight pieces, and I try and put the edges, the boundary around it to start. And I want you to think of the top boundary as that baby stage. You suddenly come home from hospital with a baby and you're told all you need to do is feed it, sleep it, and change the nappy. It sounds easy, three simple things, feed, sleep, change the nappy, but somehow, it becomes so much more complicated and confusing and it doesn't happen in the right order and this baby doesn't sleep and this baby doesn't eat when it should and it gets really, really hard and you're putting all those little pieces of the jigsaw puzzle together across the top. And then down the side, we get to the next side and this is the, the preschool stage when suddenly you're trying to get your children organised because They've, they've got to learn to walk and they've got to learn to talk and uh, they've got to learn to go to the toilet before they can go to kinder and you're suddenly teaching them all these important skills, these important kids. And then we move across to the next border at the bottom and this is the, the primary school years. Well, the years when suddenly they're going to learn to read and write and write their name and learn their tables and you suddenly have all these responsibilities because you go on canteen duty, you become the president of the Auskick team, you're on the netball committee, you suddenly have all these jobs and roles and you're putting all the pieces together across the bottom of the primary school years. And then you also realise that, hang on a minute, there's other people putting pieces into this puzzle. There's more people. Your kid's teacher is actually spending more time with them than you are. And then you start wondering if you like the pieces that are being put into this puzzle. Do you like the influences that are happening in your child's life? Someone else's hands are placing those pieces in. And then we come up to the final border, secondary school. What fun. And here you are starting to put the pieces into the puzzle. But suddenly notice that there's a bit of elbowing out of the way that your, your kids don't want you dropping you at the front gate anymore. They don't want to give you a kiss and a hug goodbye. 
but rather they're asking you to drop you around the, drop them around the corner. And as you're trying to put pieces in, because you're trying to shape their life beautifully, you're getting elbowed out of the way. And then other people are putting in. Their peers, their friends are influencing and putting into this puzzle. And you don't like some of the things that you see that are being put into that puzzle. And then you think, okay, they're going to turn 18. They're going to get their driver's license. They're going to finish school and they'll be ready to go. And it's as if they pick up this puzzle and off they go into life. But you go, hang on, I'm not finished. There's a whole middle space that's not yet completed. There's more to teach. I haven't finished with you. It's not done. But yet they're off. They're off and they're figuring out the rest of the puzzle all on their own. Parenting is a li little bit like a jigsaw puzzle without the picture. I am really grateful that when we become mothers, we have this incredible resource, this resource that's called a mother's love. It just happens. It comes over you and it gives you this resource of never giving up, unconditional love, giving, giving, giving and giving. It's a job that you could never be paid enough money for. You wouldn't get paid enough overtime. You wouldn't get paid enough weekend time, night duty. You don't get rostered days off. You don't get long service leave, but it's a job that keeps giving. And the thing about a mother's love is that it is unconditional love. And it's love that says, I want the very, very best for you. It's almost like mothers become like this mama bear, this incredible ferocious mama bear that's going to do anything to protect her cubs and to look after them. It's an amazing resource that we get given as mothers, this mother's love. I've watched a few programs on television recently that just reminded me of the importance of being a mother. There was a discussion about volunteerism, about people going to orphanages in, in poorer countries and how sometimes people would go and they would create these orphanages that didn't really exist and they would convince their, their parents that their child was going to get a good education, be well-fed and good health care and it would be better than living at home with their mother. But we know that no money can buy a mother's love. This is what's most important. I watched another documentary about the abuse that happened in the Catholic Church and it broke my heart to see what had happened. But one of the saddest moments was where this, this orphan boy, who as a grown man, probably in his 50s, as he cried over the hurt and the heartache, he was like a little boy crying for his mother. And at the end he said, at 50 years old, all I wanted was my mother. And I can't help but to wonder if he had a mother's love, if there was someone to listen to him, someone to fight for him, someone to defend him, if maybe his life could have been different. So as we think about our greatest resource of a mother's love, I want us to be encouraged. Because you know, there is no backup mum waiting in the wings to do my job. There's no one better than me. There's no understudy. It's me. So mums, 
Take that incredible resource of mother's love, that unconditional love, that I want the best for my kid, that fight, that drive, and use it. Use it to be the best mother you can be. But I also know there is a great hindrance to a mother's love, something that can so easily cancel that out, and that is shame. Shame is almost when that mother bear that should have the fight and the drive and the protection suddenly crawls into that cave of hibernation and shuts down as if I'm not good enough. I can't do this anymore. What if I did it better? Someone else could do it better. I'm going to leave them to their own devices. I remember first experiencing this. I went to pick up Jacob from primary school one day and the vice principal came out, Mr D, and he said to me a little bit jokingly, oh, Jacob's had an interesting day today. He's been on the roof. And I went, oh, my goodness, I'm so sorry. I said, I'm really sorry. And he turned to me and said, what are you apologising for? You weren't on the roof. And I go, yes, but he's my kid. He was on the roof. I'm really embarrassed. I'm sorry. What did he get up to? He goes, it doesn't matter. It's not your fault he was on the roof. You weren't even here. He wasn't even under your care. No need to apologise. And I realised from that time that so often as mothers, we take on the responsibility for our kids' actions. It's almost as if we take ownership for what they do, as if they're a reflection of us. And we believe this lie that good parent makes good child, bad parent makes bad child. And actually, it's not that simple and it's not that true. There's plenty of amazingly good parents that have kids that are really difficult. And I even know some lousy parents that are pretty average and they have the most beautiful children. Our kids are not an exact replication of us. But shame has a way of creeping into us and shutting us down and making us feel like we're not good enough. You see, we should carry an ache and a burden for our children because we want the best for them. But we should not have this overriding emotion that tells us we're not good enough and that completely shuts us down. But what do we do when we feel like that? What do we do when we feel like we've failed? What do we do when we keep questioning ourselves and going, what could have I done differently? What could have I done better? If only, what do we do when we find ourselves in those places? I go to the only perfect parent that exists and that's my heavenly father. That's God. And my favourite story in the Bible that is a reflection of God as the most perfect parent is the story of the prodigal son from Luke chapter 15. And the story goes a bit like this. There's a farmer who has two sons and the youngest son demands his inheritance. He almost says to his father, I want you dead. I don't want to wait for you to die. Give me what's mine. I want it now. So he sells up half the farm hands over the money, and the younger son takes it and runs, 
Off he goes to another land, lives extravagantly, spends all the money, it's gone. A famine hits, tough times hit, maybe a little bit like the space we're in now. Economically, things fall down. He's desperate, he's hungry, so he finds himself a job feeding the pigs. And as he's shoveling all this slop and leftover grotty, mouldy food into the, the trough for the pigs, he thinks of home. He reflects back to home and his dad. And he can't help but think, my dad treats his servants way better than this. Hey, maybe, maybe I might just go home and say to my father, I'm sorry, I was wrong. I don't deserve to be your son anymore, but would you please just take me on as your servant? And the story goes, the parable goes, that he, he heads home. And as he heads home, his father sees him in the distance. And his father picks up his robes and goes racing out to his son, embraces him, kisses him, calls out to the servants, get a new robe, put sandals on his feet, put a ring on his finger. My son was lost, but now he's found. He was dead, but he's alive. Let's throw a party. He's home. And here is the most incredible story of a father's love. This father had every reason to feel shame in so many ways. And I can't help but wondering, were the neighbours looking out as his father runs to his son? Were they gossiping, saying, he shouldn't come back, he's got no right, don't let him come back, he's ripped you off? What gossip was happening in the background? But this father had such incredible love for his son, this parent, this mother, that she wasn't going to let shame break her down but was going to love, love to the end. I love the fact that God is our heavenly father, our perfect, our perfect parent. Let's not never, let's never give up, but rather let's wait at the gate. When I find I'm overwhelmed, when I find that I have negative thoughts about being a lousy parent, I like this picture of waiting at the gate. We don't know how long the prodigal, the, the loving father waited for the prodigal son to return. We don't know whether it was weeks, whether it was months, whether it was years. But there's something about waiting. There's something about being still. And when I think about waiting at the gate and not giving up, I think about leaning on a, an old farm gate, just sitting there for a while and having a chat to God, having a chat to my heavenly father and crying out to God for my heartache, for my kids. Not because my kids are bad or lousy, but I know their heart breaks over things and my heart breaks for them too. I want better. I want the best. Some of you might have kids that are dabbling in things that are just, you know, are not good and not safe and not, not life-giving and you want better for them. How about you come to God, the perfect parent? How about you wait at the gate and call on God to step into their lives, to step into you and remind, me of, remind you of your worth as a person, as a mother, 
There's some beautiful verses. This one is perfect for waiting at the gate. From Psalm 121. As I wait at the gate, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. God watches over us. He loves us. He guides us. He directs us. He wants the best for us. And another beautiful verse from Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. The Lord my God is with me. We don't parent alone. The mighty warrior who saves, he will take great delight in me, even when I'm not perfect, even when I make mistakes. God makes, takes great delight in me. In his love, he will no longer rebuke me, but will rejoice over me with singing. What an incredible heavenly father we have to wait at the gate with, to bring our requests for ourselves as parents, as carers, but also for our children who we love so incredibly. I'm very fortunate that I have three generations now of praying mothers. I love the fact that when I go and visit my mother, every day her Bible's open on the table. She's been spending time waiting at the gate, opening her Bible, coming to the perfect parent. I know she prays for me every day. I know she prays for her grandchildren every day. Something beautiful. She waits at the gate for the goodness of God to step in. And then my grandmother, I used to go, go home to my grandmother's house when I was in year 11 and 12, two days a week. And I'd often find my grandmother, Emily. She had an old wood fire and at the bottom was a warming oven. And I would always see her sitting on a chair with her apron on, with her feet in the warming oven, with her Bible open. Again, waiting at the gate, calling on the perfect parent, praying for her children, her grandchildren, that God would step in and make a difference. Maybe you too can be a praying mother, but let's not give up. Let's not give up, but let's wait at the gate. There's a beautiful song that's about to be played and I want to encourage you to take some time of reflection. If there's shame that you need to give over and let go of and give it to God, do that. If there's something that you want to just ask God what's breaking your heart for you or your kids, bring it to him in this space. Kids, you have great mums. Make sure not just today on Mother's Day but every day. Give them a hug. Give them a kiss. Tell them you love them because you have the good enough parent.